Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. It's the movie pod series, so you make sure you stick around. But first, got to talk about our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. And look, BetOnline, it's your number one source for all your betting needs. You can get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. That's why BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right now from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE. B-L-E-A-V, and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is only when you use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, BetOnline, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. It's the summer, baby, and a brand new version of this movie is coming out in just a couple of days, so we thought we'd get back into the time machine, hop into the sewer, and check out the 1999 film, a really seminal, uh, puberty-changing movie for me called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I have a fantastic fantastic panel with me here to celebrate that very movie so let's bring him in here right now this very first guest now look money cannot buy the honor he has earned to be on this pod right here right now his nickname is the silent crime wave his domain is the shadow steering from it reluctantly for when he does he strikes very hard with his movie takes and then fades away without a trace it's making his debut it's jake van kirsten what's up jake Hey, Joey, thanks for having me on here. I'm excited to uh, just get out of the sewer and, um, you know, kick some foot. We've talked about it for a long time. We got to get you out of there. You're ready to come out of the shadows into the light, and today's the pod to do it. Our other guest today, he's hopping on right now. This next guest here is here because the outside world rejects him. But he's got a major pizza attack happening on right here, dudes. So this is a man who's coming on here to tell you that he lives by only one code, that forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza. It's Michael <laughs> Eamon, as we also know him, Biscuits. What's up, Mike? Hey, hey. Yeah, truer words have never been spoken, sir. You do not <laughs> pay full price for a late pizza. That's just rule number one. As three former members of the service industry, we're going to get into Michelangelo's tipping policy in just a second here. <laughs> but let's talk about that 1990 film, that little something that we call TMNT, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a movie that was directed by Steve Barron. You might know him from Coneheads in 1993. This film was shot on a budget of $13.5 million, a box office haul of $202 million, which held as one of the most highly grossing independent films of all time until a little movie called The Blair Witch came around about eight years later later guys look just really quick here this is what came out in the, the month of march in 1990 these were the options that you had and we're surrounded by barbenheimer right now but it's not really quite the same as it is today so in march 2nd 1990 the hunt for red october that very next weekend joe versus the volcano march 9th house party march 9th you had two choices there took a couple weeks off march 23rd pretty woman comes out and then the weekend after that a double dip of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Dances with Wolves coming out the very same day on March 30th, followed by Dick Tracy the week after. Uh, that's right. In the 90s, we got eclectic, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we like to be <laughs> what we call versatile. So let's open this up here right now. Um, this was a huge movie for me to see for the very first time. So I want to hear your guys' story, Jake. If you would like to go first and hit us off here, can you remember, can you tell us about the time, where you were, how you were, how you saw the first time you saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? You know, <clears throat> I caught the Ninja Turtle wave uh, a little early. I In like 1988 uh, is when the toys started hitting Meyer, um, where I was the pinnacle of my hometown. Um, you could get everything there, and, including toys. And the Ninja Turtle toy line from the cartoon started dropping there. And I remember I was coming out of a, a surgery and my dad as a recovery, you know, present, um, got me Leo and Mikey. And this was like the fall of 88. And then for Christmas, Santa uh, brought Raphael and Donatello and Splinter and April O'Neil for my sister to, so that we could all, you know, we could play together. One of those classic 80 things where there was always a token girl for the sisters to join in on the fun. Um, and then after that, you guys know, were there, uh, was the summer of Batman. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like Ninja Turtles, I had them, they were in my toy box, they were in rotation. 
but then Batman took over. And by the spring of when this movie came out, Ninja Turtles were coming back again. So I was ready to go for it. Um, and I had a sister that was born the week or so, um, actually the day I think this came out, you said March 30th, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so she was born this day, that the day it came out. The following week, I remember going to go see it. And the only thing I wanted to know was, what did they do about Krang? How are they going to bring a live action Krang? Spoiler, I did not find that out. But we had an uncle pack us up, take us there to get us out of the house. Um, and I saw the movie. And despite the fact that there was no Krang, I was head over heels for this movie. It was Ninja Turtles. And I remember even as a kid thinking like, this is like a little more... I don't know, grown up, <laughs> more yeah. grown up than the uh, the show. The show is for kids, and the movie is like little teenagery. It's like a little like twelve, thirteen year old. Um, and I, we'll talk about it more when you go into it. But I really dig that about this movie. Um, so yeah, I was high on this movie. I was high on the show, and then uh, you know we were in the peak age of the toy line from play from Playmates around this time too. Um, so it, I was my Ninja Turtle meal. I was eating good around this time of my life. Yeah, when you see this movie and Raph says "damn" not once but several times, you know that you're on the cutting edge of something real adult going on here right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Particularly, <laughs> uh, biscuits. So you got the turtles behind you as we mm-hmm. speak. Uh, we call those collectors' items. So everyone, if you want to bid on them, just send him, <laughs> send it into his mail. So how do you, do you remember where where were you and how did you first time see the movie Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I remember. I wish I actually I should have figured it out and looked up the exact like magazine uh, like volume it was. But Nintendo Power months before it came mm. out, there was like a little like square that just showed you one little like screenshot of the movie and like i would seriously like study it it was really dark too you know because the movie was way darker than i was expecting but i was so incredibly pumped for that movie to come out because i you know i was into he-man liked transformers but Mm -hmm. i think i only had optimus Mm -hmm. prime but as soon as the turtles came on i even remember the the promos for the cartoon coming out i was like that's dumb like what teenage mutant and like first episode in i was hooked and like (laughs) he-man by transformers like I'll get to you later. Like it became all <laughs> turtles all day. Like the party blimp, like, or, you know, the blimp was one of the first things that we had Mikey. We got all four quickly. We went to venture like poor man's target back in the day where it was like, there's, you know, the rat Kings out. We got a go great, huge venture. popcorn though. Venture had amazing, oh, God, huge yeah. popcorn, right? Yeah. Tall as a tree pretzels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, Oh my God though. But so like I was, huge into turtles you know and then uh like just so pumped when i saw the little like green shots coming up and then i think uh i do think that jake brought up like i feel like batman 89 batman set like the precedent being like it's yeah Mm -hmm. like it's okay to be a little darker than you'd expect for kids material um but then as you know the movie approached in march of 90 i think like just more and more excited and i think it was just me my younger brothers and my parents uh, went to go see it at like the hillside movie theater, which now I think is like a weird looking church. Um, but we were like, Oh my God, I just out of my mind excited about it. And like, dude, as soon as, I mean, from start to finish it had you, but like, as soon as like the closing credits hit with the T U R T L E power, you're just like goosebumps, just like, Oh my God, I'll go back and see it again immediately uh but so it was life-changing and it just solidified my obsession with turtles till like probably for too long i was probably too old to still be into turtles like well after this movie but no still there baby i'm still there i'm I'm still i'm still right i'm right here dude so what i love about this is that we all and this is what makes it special about growing up in the late 80s and probably early 90s is I think that we all found the film in three different ways, but they're all Mm -hmm. incredibly similar um, all at the same time. My experience was I had a cousin who had one of those early Eastman and Laird comic books, which do not look anything like the cartoons Mm -hmm. or anything like that. 
and I was into He-Man, just like you, like just like you were talking about, mm-hmm. super into He-Man, super into Ghostbusters at the time, and of course Batman comes out. So I'm a little kid who's air punching and fighting all mm-hmm. the live long day. So I was already kind of attracted to it. Uh, the cartoon got me excited. And for the life of me, I can't remember what movie it was, but my parents used to take me to this Deerbrook Mall, which now is probably also a very weird and strange church, uh, for all we know. Um, and I, I, I don't remember what movie it was, but they were. I was walking out of the movie, and I'll never forget that I saw the cut-out movie poster for the film, and it was about my height of the turtles poking their heads out of the sewer, and they're pretty much at my eye line, you know, at mm-hmm. that age. And Jake, I had the same feeling that you had of like, and I'm a young kid, right? So I'm like, how the hell are they going to do this? Yeah, that's what I was. It was like, okay, so wait a second. Have they been real all along? Am I missing something here? Mm -hmm. Um, And I I still find it to be maybe not the greatest movie poster of all time. One of the most impactful movie posters of my lifetime, because you've got that weird ominous sunset in the background, these tall buildings, them just popping up and all of a sudden, hey, we're going for it. We're actually going to do it. And look, in 1990, guys, I'm going to read off the domestic box office list here just very quickly. Usually I only do top 10, but screw it. It's 1990. I'm doing 20. Get ready. Here we go. Um, So here are the highest grossing movies domestically in 1990. Obviously, keep in mind films like Goodfellas and stuff. They came out a little bit later in the year. So I just went strictly for that one year in 1990. Um, The number one grossing movie in 1990 was Ghost. Number two, Mm -hmm. Pretty Woman. Number three, Home Alone. Number four, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Number five, Hunt for Red October. Ninja Turtles made more money than Hunt for Red October. Anyways, number six, Total Recall. Number seven, Die Hard 2. Number eight, Driving Miss Daisy. Number nine, Dick Tracy. Ten, Back to the Future 3. Eleven, Presumed Innocent. Twelve, Days of Thunder. Thirteen, Another 48 Hours. Fourteen, Bird on a Wire. Fifteen, Born on Fourth of July. Sixteen, Flatliners. Hell yeah. Yes. Uh, 17 dances with wolves 18 problem child 19 arachnophobia i mean i do this a lot on the pods i kind of look back and say holy shit that's a lot of yeah. great movies all in one year um and that's sort of how it goes but teenage mutant Ninja turtles gets into the top four so i want to go back really quick you guys both mentioned something that i wanted to dive into uh biscuits if you want to go first on this one because you both mentioned about how and it still holds up today about how it's kind of it's a gritty, darker version or maybe that caught us by surprise. Or maybe as a young kid, we also thought maybe we were being allowed to see something that maybe we weren't allowed to mm-hmm. see or a side of life that we hadn't been exposed to yet. And this movie behind the scenes is completely rife with these stories. One, this is Jim Henson's last film. We'll get into him a little yeah. bit more in a second, but he did not like this movie. He thought it was too violent, too dark, mm-hmm. didn't like signing off on it. Uh, the editor, a thousand percent got fired. The editor would go on to become Quentin Tarantino's editor many years later, but she got fired. They, there's stories that the directors got fired, producers got fired, basically all because that the film was coming out too dark. That was the problem with the movie. Um, and then oh. in hindsight, so wait, in hindsight, it looks like that's what we wanted. So, so wait, so biscuits hop in, and then Jake hop in. I just want to get your guys' take on the fact of are we f-ed up? that we like this movie because it's so gritty uh, or did they do something actually right and took a chance against maybe more of a common, a common thought movie going wise. Oh, I mean, dude, I think they did it right. Just cause it was so like, you, I mean, you said it immediately when Raph said, damn. And I was just like, what? Like a Ninja turtle saying, damn. And he's saying bitch in later. And like Casey Jones at the end where he's like, oops. And basically just smashes shredder and kills him in a garbage so like it's just like oh my god man uh but it was ahead of its time i mean batman i think you know like we talked about kind of said it but like ahead of its time for being based off of a kid's cartoon is what most of us knew it from but because i never i sadly never got into the comics i kind of wish i would have but uh but yeah i mean it was kind of crazy when i was kind of reading through some of that like how many people like lost their jobs and this thing just killed it at the box office and so obviously they did something right and i feel like you know i'm glad that it's not like you know the new editions of the turtles because they're just kind of like lame and i don't know it was gritty and dark and just like 
showed me things that I didn't think I was ready to see at nine years old. So it was, it was perfect in my mind. Yeah. And, and you're mentioning something. They never went back to it again. They have not gone back mm -hmm. to it since every live action film got brighter and brighter. And then they just moved over to the digital world. Jake hop into this gritty, yeah. not gritty enough. And how important that was for you as a kid and, and how, I mean, dude, you're a cinephile, you love films. So to see a movie that has this serious gritty tone and a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles vibe. I mean, what was that for you? Like, well, I just want to pause real quick and say like Sally cut this thing. Like, I mean, uh, I, she worked with Tarantino um, and, you know, you can watch like uh, DVD extras where uh, everyone used to always say, hi, Sally, before or after a take or something like that. So it's just like, I, you're blowing my mind with this, but I think, so I, I'm a father and two things tied into this. One is every kid is different. Um, my middle daughter has a harder time with uh, sort of like grittier stuff versus my five-year-old son who's just like whatever <laughs> like he's totally fine and two is when we were coming up um, this wasn't always the case but very often they just made movies and it wasn't like a kid's movie and it wasn't like an adult's movie or a teenage movie they just made movies so like when someone you know takes a job they're just bringing in filmmakers and crafts people to make a movie which is the you know it's not sally goes from getting fired here to doing uh reservoir dogs um you know and then onward um so as a kid i was closer to how my son is um my parents had a hard line at r r off record pg-13 go crazy kid um and so, so I we're was, going to Congo. Like, we're going to we're Congo going this to weekend. Congo. <laughs> Before that, it was like uh, Temple of Doom. Um, my mom was like, oh, yeah, they eat monkey brains in this one. Go ahead and watch it. Um, <laughs> or like, I mean, the Ghostbusters movie. Uh, I think like one of the house movies was playing one time and my dad was watching it. He's like, whatever. Or something like that. You know, so like there are creepy things that I would see, but there's a hard R. This movie, for all of its, like, grittiness, no, it's not even sniffing, you know, anywhere near R. Um, so, for me, it was just an atmosphere change of, like, do I, like, prefer the cartoon or this? And as a kid, I did not blink at this movie at all. I just thought it was cool that they were doing their own thing. They were doing this little other slice of the Ninja Turtles that wasn't as zany as the cartoon. Um, but, you know, the real hook for me was that they brought in Casey Jones, and mm. who is my, you know, favorite character. And, um, yeah, I was just into it. And it was more closer to what 80s kids movies were, again, quote unquote kids, than what 90s kids movies became. Um, so I didn't blink an eye at it. And I think it still rocks. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I, I I'm trying to wrap my head around why I was attracted to it. I mean, part of it was I loved rolling around in the mud as a kid, right? So mm -hmm. getting dirty and living in a sewer wasn't um, gross to me or anything. Mm -hmm. But it is funny uh, amongst all the the pizza and the catchphrases and the, the music which slaps. I swear to God, don't worry, guys, yes. hang on there. We're gonna get to the music. We will definitely do yeah. it. Um, but it's funny that this movie though taps into um divorce abandonment mm -hmm. anger mm -hmm. um, and you know what i mean and and weird obviously um aggression and um and a lot of different a lot of different themes that to be honest with you maybe i didn't quite pick up on right away i mean of course i knew like hey raf like calm down man you're like you're screwing this up you know anger anger might be in one of my winners and losers when we play losers anger issues might be one of the losers <laughs> um but other than that you know uh, you know i don't know there well, maybe a theme out there of like you know the peer pressure of being in the foot clan you know it, it wasn't all that it made out itself out to be but there actually are these things kind of running through this movie yeah that sort of helped me in life i'll be honest with you they kind of helped me no. a little bit and the Ninja Turtles was the conduit to do it because I loved them so much. Um, uh, we'll go around the room real quick. Biscuits, who's your favorite turtle? Growing up, Mikey. who's your favorite turtle? Yeah, okay. Party Mikey, guy. it's Me always too. been Mikey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jake, did you have a different one? Yeah, I did. I was a Leonardo guy. I, I, um, it was probably because <laughs> of the swords. 
why? Why? I'm just joking. He's great. He's great. He's the, um, you know, he's the boring one. He's the Superman one where like, but uh, he's not as exciting as Mikey or Raphael. Um, but he is more exciting than Donatello. And he gets see that's so real quick. I didn't know a lot of Donatello kids. No one like the Raph, the people that loved Raphael that were kids that were friends of mine were the kind of like the like the kind of a little more aggressive ones, the ones that would kind of like kick your uncle in the back of the leg just to see like as hard as you could just to get get a reaction, you know. I didn't know a lot of Donatellos, not a lot of Donatellos. No, me neither. Yeah, they're rare, but they're rare, but but they're there. Yeah, Leo has you know that like you get the sense from Leo. That if this guy cut loose, he would cause some damage. Um, he's got like this quiet strength in him, but also he's like really trying to keep it focused because if he lets loose, it's kind of like the Superman thing. If he lets loose, he's going to level some buildings. And the same thing, he has to use these blades uh, because he has to keep everything focused and sharp and precise. And so that's rad. But Casey Jones, all-time greatest Ninja Turtle character. Um, cool mask, using everyday weapons, uh, everyday sports, um, you know, uh, gear as a weapon, and has that, like, sort of badass Wolverine vibe to him, where, like, he, or Batman, like, he's a good guy, but is he really? Yeah, he is, but kind of not, and so that was awesome. <laughs> he's got the Han Solo little bit, you know, like the Hey kid, I'm just in it not for the money to bust some skulls. That's that's like what gets me going. Yeah, dude, um, Casey. Uh, I'll just, I mean, keep it quick. But I feel like in the cartoon, he was never a big deal. But like, he was such a big deal in the movie that, and like, essential to the movie, and like, you know, provided all these other different plot points. But uh, but no, I, I also like your point about Leo and Superman. I feel like definitely both the the best powers with Superman and the best weapon for Leo, but just something so boring about him. Although I do love the, <laughs> the, the Leo Raph uh, connection when Raph wakes up from the coma. It's, it's yeah. So according, according to the internet, uh, people considered for the role of Casey Jones range from Johnny Depp to Keanu Reeves, Christian Slater, Lou Diamond Phillips, Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Jason Patrick, Brian Austin Green, Alex Winter, Gary Daniels and River Phoenix all considered for the role of Casey Jones. To be honest with you, um, Elias Cotillas is a great call, it. in my opinion. I mean, Christian Slater, too it. small, right? I mean, I, I think Johnny, a young Johnny Depp, I probably could have wrapped my head around that one. Um, but other than that, I think they actually kind of got that right. And then, obviously, Elias Cotillas went on to become a fantastic character actor. Um, you know, yeah. he never really, like, had his run as a leading man or maybe an action star but became a fantastic character actor many 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 years for years and years not only on tv but also in films um love seeing him pop up in random movies like zodiac and stuff like that well um, can i can i say something on this the casey jones thing all everyone else was wrong because they're all too young and you need like sort of this world weariness of casey jones like, you know, he was a professional athlete. Something happened to him. He's just a guy that's been sitting in his apartment being like, I'm so sick of this crime. I'm going to go do something about it. And he's like looking around and he's like, ah, 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 yeah, hockey stick. Oh, yeah, I'm going to grab all this stuff. And, of course, this mask. And he just goes out there and do that. You needed a, a, a young guy would have thought, would it, you need that cynical bent. And if, like, a young, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves like came out. He's like, "You look like a baby. What do you know about life? You should be joining the Foot Clan, not trying to be Casey Jones." <laughs> well, to be very fair, I mean, yeah, he lost his job, and yeah. all of a sudden, he's not a hockey player anymore, and he's unemployed, <laughs> and um, you know, the mind wanders. I suppose all of a sudden. <laughs> Yeah, kind of think about it a little bit. Um, I do want to hop over. So we're we're getting mm-hmm. into the movie. Um, there's crime everywhere. April Jones, she's uh, she's reporting it on the on the news. Uh, she gets jumped in the alley. We have a great kind of uh, fantastic Jaws like moment where you don't really mm-hmm. see the Ninja Turtles, but they save the day, and then you get a big reveal in the sewer. Um, I want to get into the part of the Shredder piece of the story, and mm-hmm. maybe not so much Danny and the father, but a little bit of like the B side of the story is actually kind of really interesting. I mean, typically. Mm-hmm. You'll just have a bad guy sitting in a corner saying, really, 
dark, nefarious stuff. But in this movie, Shredder has a plan. And his plan is to somehow lure, tempt, and seduce the uh, the kids from the other side of the tracks, if you will, to join his mm-hmm. cause to become the Foot Clan and create an army that can go around and maybe take over the city of New York. And how does he do it? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, he creates a warehouse playhouse that we have that none of us have seen the likes of in a long time. We've got bass players, we've got half pipes, we've got arcade machines, we've got cigarettes, uh, we've got a lot going on in this warehouse. So I'll just kind of open it up like this, Jake. If you want to go first, just mm-hmm. you know, scale of one to ten. How tempted were you by the warehouse? I mean, you know it was Shredder's thing. You know it was a bad thing. But as a kid, were you kind of like, man, this kind of seems rad. It's like a Super Just Games, but with uh, yeah. but with skateboards. Well, did I think I could, like, pop in and, uh, you know, just hang out by the pinball machine in the video games. And then every once in a while, I have to go out and commit, like, some light crime <laughs> just so I can get right back over there and try to beat Galaga. Or, um, you know what, Mortal Kombat is right around the corner here at this time. So it's just like, yeah, no, I, here's my, uh, my t- you know, my contribution. I, I took it, uh, this wallet, but I'm going to be over there. Tourney, Mortal Kombat tourney, let's go, let's go. So yeah, I was tempted and I, I obviously game planned a way that I could, you know, be a part of it without getting too crazy with the crime committing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, look, like, you know, we're just here, guys. We're not actually in the Foot Clan. We're here for the free pizza, the free drinks. I mean, Biscuits, let's be honest. I mean, you it seemed a little tempting. They're playing MC Hammer up in that place. Dude, this is what we do. MC Hammer track hits. And it's just like, all right, all right, we can do this. Uh, dude, it was sweet, man. It's like, like, I couldn't skateboard with a fucking dam, but uh, no. like, just, uh, like, just, it was. The atmosphere that they laid out was awesome. It was like, uh, you know, kind of, what was it? The Lost Boys and Pinocchio. But this one seemed like so much more appealing and like to our, like, like suited to our age group. And like, yeah, I would I would definitely snatch some wallets and hand it off six times to like be able to just party, <laughs> do my thing. Yeah. Eat pizza, stay up as late as I wanted. Uh, I would, I so would never wear the drag... I would never wear the dragon doji, but I would hang out there. I would go yeah, in there, yeah. right? We can play both sides here, right? We don't need to be full Sam Rockwell, but we could also be hanging around here. So I did ask you guys before you came on to reveal um, who your fake characters would be at the warehouse. Who were the bad boys mm-hmm. that you would have at the warehouse? Uh, Biscuits, would you like to rever- uh, reveal first? Uh, give us the character bio for your bad boy at the Ninja Turtle Shredder warehouse. So, like, I didn't always start out like a total bad boy. So I was, you know, Mickey, a.k.a. Sticky Fingers, a.k.a. Slick Mickey Donovan. And, like, you know, I first got my taste, you know, at school, just, like, snatching an apple off the teacher's desk or, you know, Mm. maybe taking some lunch money and you get that little bit of a high and then you're like, dude, this ain't so bad. You know, and so then you start going through people's lockers, mm-hmm. snatching up elf hogs, snatching up, you know, trapper keepers, you know, and then maybe some Lisa P- Frank pencils, whatnot. Bring those back to the warehouse, see what mm-hmm. you can get, and just keep it escalating from there. They're just basically chasing that high. Like, I'm just like, I got this. This feels all right. You know, what's the harm in just taking some crap from some other people? And then, you know, just get sucked into a life of crime and, you know, eventually try to kill some people, like kill the turtles or, you know, join the so, fuck Well, like, so, like, so you're, you're, you're Mickey Sticky and you opening up your thing and you've got all these, these awesome mm-hmm. erasers. Exactly. And uh, what you need, what you're looking for. Uh, so you're regular, exactly. you're regular or menthol for classroom, classroom uh, oh, amenities. Yeah. <laughs> exactly blow pops tootsie roll pops you know like steal it and then sell it back to the kids for twice the price you'll stay up all night here have one of these have one of these blow pops uh jake uh reveal your who's your bad boy who's the bad boy at the warehouse i caught i start off as bank robber and uh-huh. um <laughs> my whole bit is uh i start with like you know i take a fishing pole and i put a 20 on there and i throw it down cast it down the streets of New York city. And I start reeling it in as someone's coming after and I lure them to an alley. So other people can get it. 
and I joined uh, the clan, the foot, foot clan, because um, I uh, was just bored. And uh-huh. um, I really, really didn't want to join a sports team. Um, but this little taste of power and working from the shadows, I, I go crazy on it. So um, I really like it. And I start, you know, join the, the group. And then I start becoming a police informant too. Uh, and so I'm doing a little trade-off, a little trade-off. And then no spoilers, but later uh, the police get um, involved and break down the, the foot. But that chief police isn't really on the up and up. So I get a little dirt on him. So I got him in my pocket and I keep uh, accumulating power. And this whole story ends with me being the governor of New York. Um, humble this is what we do. Do, do, do. Wow. You're like Sean Connery playing both sides. Like you're like rolling hard on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I, mine's, God, you guys kind of honestly blew me out of the water. Mine was just like Bisbee. My name was just Bisbee. And I'm, I, I just walked around with a baseball bat and I'd get into like arm wrestling matches. And uh, I don't know. I was just kind of like the walk around kid. I do like the idea. That's so amazing. I do like the idea of stealing other items and then bringing them in and trying to like start a little market for yourself a little bit. Because uh, I was just trying to think the, the kids are playing a bunch of cards. There's some skateboarding going on. There's some arcades. Um, what other dumb stuff could I get going? Like, could I maybe like get like the hardest core version of steal the bacon? happening uh because he's still kids we're all we're all competing here we're all good yeah and tatsu gets in um god i love that for both of you guys and just for the sake of jake man i hope you make it to mayor uh because there's well there's gonna be crosshairs a lot of enemies my friend oh only the foolish ones you guys both get spots in my administration though the plumbest (laughs) just the best (laughs) spots <laughs> Secretary of Agriculture Tatsu, um, what do you think about this particular situation? <laughs> he somehow made it. He somehow survived. Um, um, I absolutely love it. That was our warehouse section. Um, let's move it on now. Uh, let's move it over to. Um, I just want to talk about in general, just really quick. Um, some of the fight scenes. You know, do you guys have a favorite fight mm-hmm. scene? I think we got the major ones. The first one, obviously, is the one. Um, the one is in darkness. Um, the second one I'll put on the board. I, I'm not going to count Raph. If you want to count Raph, go ahead. Raph in the subway by himself. You can go for it. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But truly, the second one then is probably at April's uh, home in front of, in her father's shop. Uh, with ends with that one being on fire. And then obviously the major one is the end when they take on the entire Foot Clan and Shredder. There's actually really only three major ones where they're all kind of oh, fighting. Geez. Fighting together yeah. when you think about it. Some of them do it solo, but those are the big three ones. Um, mm-hmm. wh- wh- what's the most memorable fight sequence for you? Which one sticks with you the most? Uh, we'll do um, we'll do Jake first. The the one that starts with Raph on the um, on the roof. As a kid, that was the part that like really bummed me out in the movie because he's just there on his own. He holds his own as much as he can, and even as an adult, when I watch it, it's oddly moving for me personally how overwhelmed he is and how hard he's trying to keep fighting and then what the and then as it escalates you know they throw him through the skyline these bad guys suck they're some mean bastards just as an aside but you know that fight though it goes from being dangerous to like exactly like kind of fun in its own way with like Mikey doing the nunchucks thing with that guy, keep practicing. Um, (laughs) And it really captures like what the fun of being a Ninja Turtle must've been like uh, where you're cracking wise, you're working with your brothers to beat up these guys. And by the standards of person in a giant Muppet suit fighting a bunch of stunt guys, it's really uh, good. I mean, yeah, it, you could tell it's 30 plus years old, but it is very well choreographed. It's again done straightforward and serious. And it has, as an action, you know, set piece, it has these moments too where Donnie goes, uh, this might be not 
structurally speaking, the best idea for your friends to join us right now. And it escalates, right? Like it, it does what the best action set pieces do, which is just goes, this is what it is. Now let's blow it up. Now let's blow it up again. Now let, this is why we like the John Wick movies too. And the fact that a Jim Henson designed uh, character is fighting a bunch of ninjas doesn't take away from it. They played this straight and then they add this sense of fire for more danger. And then it has a great like plot moving beat with the burning answering machine um, with her April getting fired. Guys, they did not phone this movie in. <laughs> and that action scene, <laughs> like you have character narratives coming together with the scene, competent action sequences, and emotionally emotional stakes too, with Raphael getting beat up and April like covering his body. Um, this is a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. You're just kind of like, man, this thing's actually like executed really well. It's, uh, it's so really done. Yeah, and they go from the roof to the yeah to the top floor, right. and then they, but then they go all the way down, and then they light the thing on fire. Uh, they go so from the head. Wait, real quick. Sorry, they go from heavens to earth to fiery hell. <laughs> to, the, to the country, to the countryside. So, to the yeah, country. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly um, how I thought about it. Yeah, biscuit. So, which one is it for you? I mean, honestly, it kind of sort of feels like um, you know the big the big scene in her parents' shop. Um, from the roof all the way down or it's kind of the end where they take them from the sewers all the way up to the top of building whoa we're going in reverse here you know which mm -hmm. one for you is the most memorable which one do you kind of like look back on and say man that one kicks a lot of ass for me i love the antique battle the antique store battle and like all the one-liners and mikey doing you know like him and donnie playing off each other and like wheel of fortune and them spinning around but i did love like the last you know, sequence on the roof with Shredder because it like they showed you Shredder like you know kind of I think what he beat up like a little kid at one point or they showed him being angry but they didn't show just mm -hmm. how dominant he was mm -hmm. until the end of the movie where like he just easily destroyed everybody um, you know and then uh, and then Splinter comes up to save the day uh, you know but uh, like you know gun to my head I would say you know. The scene at the antique shop, April's, you know, dad's place, but uh, you can't go wrong either way, you know, and just every, like, like Jake said too, like, it's surprisingly well done for how old it is and how like clunky those costumes had to have been and they need to bring those costumes back for a live action one and just scrap all like the new age stuff and, and just do just because you know, we'll all pay to see it like so. Yeah, mm -hmm. give it give it a try. And you know, honestly, like, yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't bend to, I think, a lot of rules that conventional action movies have to adhere to now, where we've already kind of mentioned a little bit more of like there's some serious tones, um, mm -hmm. the way that it is shot specifically. Um, and then there are also these moments where things get a little quieter, where things actually do get contemplative. And I, I'm wondering if that has to do with like the ninja aspect where ninjas are so supposed to be kind of a little bit more at peace with themselves as much as they are fighting everybody all the time. But you get an opportunity to do a little bit of everything with that. And I think some people might try and criticize that as maybe the movie drags or whatever. But I don't think this movie drags. I think it moves it along not. pretty nicely from spot to spot to spot, kind of hitting a little bit of everything as we go along. Um, we have to get into winners and losers here of the movie teams with mm -hmm. new turtles in a second. Um, we got to talk about April O'Neil just really quick. Um, so I want to get your guys' take on it, and we're going to provide the audience a little bit of backstory before we do it. Um, played by the actress Judith Hogue, who's been in many, many films uh, before and proceeding Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, I think she's actually a very talented actress. Um, she's been in a lot of really good stuff. Um, you know, she was in Armageddon even like a couple years later mm -hmm. um, as one of the mm -hmm. wives. Um, but you know what? This movie did not really work out very well for her. And it seems like everyone on the planet adores and celebrates this movie, except for Judith. Um, the story goes, basically, she was cast in this role um, while she was shooting the movie Cadillac Man with Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. Had no idea what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were, probably was just passing on a paycheck. And Robin Williams was actually one of the people that sat down and pulled out his comic book collection and began showing her this beautiful world that she could possibly inhabit and truly enjoy. So 
Let the games begin. Uh, in pre-production, she hates the April O'Neil suit, the yellow jumpsuit. She has it changed to this yellow slicker that we see in the beginning of the movie, um, something that I don't think personally works. Um, and as a kid, you really kind of mm -hmm. don't pick up on it until a little bit later, later when you like realize, oh, that's what movies are trying to do, trying to do these little odds, odes and homages. Um, was not asked to reprise her role as April in the film's sequels, uh, mostly due to her personal complaining, particularly about the six-day schedule and the amount of violence in the movie per the internet. Um, did not go on to speak very highly about this movie. Uh, again, yeah, she found the jumpsuit horrifying. Um, the jumpsuit that embodies her, the person in the 87 cartoon um, and really just kind of had a bad time with this. So I don't know, Biscuits, I just want to get your take on like her performance in general. When you look back on it, I mean, clearly it's not like your favorite part about the movie. Um, but, you know, did she do April O'Neil justice? I think it's fair to ask from her performance in this movie. I mean, I actually, you know, thought she did do a nice job. I mean, I don't feel like she was different than the April O'Neil from the cartoon. Um, but I also feel like a lot of this movie was different than the cartoon. So I can totally understand. And I mean, I can even understand her not doing the yellow jumpsuit. Cause I do feel like that would look a little weird if she was constantly in a yellow jumpsuit, but like, it is surprising and kind of, you know, disheartening that she had such a bad time with this movie. Cause like, I mean, I feel like if anyone should, you know, have hated the movie. It's the guys inside the giant six foot sweaty costumes <laughs> with like, you know, a mechanical head, like, you know, like, like she just, I, I felt like overall her performance was good. And I, you know, as a kid, like, I don't think she was ever like, oh my goo goo gaga. Like, I, you know, like, like, um, you know, Kim Basinger in, in Batman or whatnot, mm -hmm. but like, she was still like, you know, appealing and cute. And like, I felt like overall, I, you know, remember liking her as a kid, but I don't think I sadly ever had an April O'Neil action figure. Like this movie didn't like compel me to go buy one. Um, I, it is just kind of, and I was, you know, reading up a little bit on it too. And I was just like, man, like, this is like, a lot of people cherish this movie, you know, and I mean, not saying it's the world's greatest, but like, can't you just look back and remember, like, there's some really great things about this movie and it made a ton of money and like, I don't know, you're forever part of pop culture because of it. And instead of like, it's just like, oh, I guess, you know, you had a bad time because it was a hard filming schedule. It's like, just get over it and enjoy the ride. Yeah, look, sometimes like you don't understand a movie maybe in the process that you're filming it. Um, and clearly from this performance, you know, Casey Jones gets pulled into the universe and kind of sticks where mm -hmm. April O'Neil's, if anything, she remains because she's integral, but she kind of gets removed further away. Jake, before you weigh in on your take, I mean, another part of it too that you might find interesting was, you know, because of the dialogue and the way the costumes were, Biscuits say that they were so cumbersome and the way that they were looking on film, um, they actually had to shoot a lot of this movie at 23 frames per second for the mm -hmm. dialogue. And then they matched that with 23, 24 frames per second for the fight scenes. So if you are an actress like Judith Hogue and maybe you see what's being filmed and you can't quite understand maybe the frame rate at which some of these things are going to be executed, you know, is it her fault that she's having such a terrible time and weighing on her performance? Is it her fault? I don't know. People can feel how they need to feel. I will say, like, judging, well, evaluating, none of the, her discomfort is on screen is in the performance. So that's where my the tip of my hat goes to her. When the camera was rolling, she gave, it appears like she gave it her all. April O'Neil is a good character in this movie. Um, she has some great moments like when she first meets them and they're laughing you know about the impressions or whatnot like there's no false note in her performance so tip of the hat whatever was happening before and after the cameras rolled you're a professional when you got there um i don't know i i guess i would maybe if you're an actor you're like you're coming off of uh, something with Robin Williams, a big movie with a you know real movie star, and then you're number one on the Carl sheet, and the other you know cast members are uh, stunt people wearing costumes. Maybe you got maybe that's the ego check. I don't know. Um, and also, there's this movie. There's so many technical things as you mentioned from the rate that they're going to shoot the film in to make the dialogue and the fight scenes all work. 
the you know just the the costumes and having to i don't know hopefully they pumped cool water into them or something so there i'm sure it was a i wouldn't be surprised if it was a grueling shoot um and you're not digging it uh but for this movie and the tone of this movie she delivered on the screen as far as like I, the the actress that came in to play her next seemed to have more fun with the turtles um and so maybe it was just one of those things where you know sometimes it just doesn't work sometimes you know the the people hired for the gig and the way the movie turns out it's just good to get one she did get a action figure in the last couple of years um mm -hmm. from uh so you know and she did a whole instagram live reveal of it so i think hatchets hatchets have been buried yeah speaking of what couldn't have worked a uh, quick little internet trivia here and then our final category winners and losers mm -hmm. uh the first one is uh according to the internet the first pitch was a treatment uh, that had four comedians uh, that were going to play the roles of the Ninja Turtles. Those four comedians rumored to be Gallagher, Sam Kinison, Bobcat Goldthwait, and Billy Crystal, who were going to all wear shells and wear green makeup. Thank sweet Jesus that that didn't happen. Um, another quick piece of internet uh, trivia, too, as well, that a lot of the um, actors, Biscuits, who played the characters, the Ninja Turtle characters in the suits, also took on different roles in the film, mm -hmm. whether they were mm -hmm. uh, little extras popping into interstitials and scenes, or that a lot of them played Foot Clan members, too, as well. So a lot of them were doing the stunts in the back end, so they got as much as they can mm -hmm. out of those performers as possible. So it's time. It's time for our final category, winners and losers. Who's winning and who's losing the movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Um, let's start with winners, first of all. I'm going to throw a couple out to you. One I want you to specifically kind of uh, weigh in on. Uh, my first couple winners here are all children in 1990 um, that walk the beautiful earth, especially in America. Uh, pizza in general, um, as we all remember, you know, Domino's featured in the movie, but pizza had spent $20 million mm -hmm. to produce and also advertise this movie. We all got in line. We all got all the toys from that one. Um, and then the other one is the soundtrack. Biscuits, the soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, oh, I mean, Jesus, dude. where do you where do you want to start, man? We could start with the theme song. We could do MC Hammer. I mean, where do you want to go with this one? You have the floor for a second. Yeah, I don't know, man. The soundtrack is the big winner, in my opinion. I literally think I owned it. Like, I think I got it as a cassette and I was like, I can't just be, you know, like I need this as a CD. So I had to upgrade to the CD. And then after I lost the CD, one time I was in Germany with my brother in like, old like thrift store and i saw that too and i was just like oh god yes like i was probably like 19 years old i was like still need this soundtrack bringing this back home like dude every single song on that soundtrack is just so 90s and so perfect and like the partners in crime which it, to me it sounds like humpty hump from you know uh -huh. like uh digital underground but i don't think it is but he really sounds like him to me um and then, oh, I was, I didn't even realize when I was rewatching it last night, like at one point near the end, like Donnie says like 9.95, like to like that they did such a good job. And like, that was this track, like a hot track from the, the soundtrack as well. I mean, it was just so good. Like I remember as a kid, I seriously just having that on the background, just playing my NES games, uh, just loving it. So whoever, yeah, whoever put that together did their homework. I mean, like, I still kind of wish it meant a little bit more with some of these movies. And maybe it does, because obviously we're older, it's a different generation. But, you know, when you get a soundtrack that's awesome and you put it on, it starts to attach to the movie itself. So you could be doing other things while not watching the movie, but still kind of being in the movie. I mean, that's kind of how obsessive I was as a kid growing up. Uh, Jake, a couple other winners. Uh, skateboarding, vigilantes, mm -hmm. ex-hockey players, ruffling feathers at City Hall ninjas yeah. obviously and then a big one for me was abandoned houses in the woods old houses in the woods huge winner in this movie wouldn't we all like to have one where we can go and just like relax <laughs> and not have running water but actually like clear our minds and, and think about what our next step is those are some big winners for me jake you got any winners what are some winners of teenage mutant ninja turtles well i'm gonna go with danny changing his name to dan getting respect in the eyes of his father Dan. Um, okay. Dan, <laughs> handing out that $20 bill back to April O'Neil and saying, I owe this to you. 
Good. I had that in Losers. Losers is April's wallet. April's wallet's a huge loser in this movie. Jesus. And then I'm going to give out a a hearty winner's handshake to each one of the Ninja Turtles for um, stepping out of the shadows, Uh facing down the shredder. Good one. We're we're going to ignore the fact that their dad had to bail them out. Um, and, but yeah, you know, they, they like had their first battle. They won. They're on there. They learned, they grew, they came closer together. Um, and then also finally, I'm going to give it to Splinter who has the stone cold coolest line. Um, death comes for us all. Will be worse for you because it will be without honor see i couldn't i couldn't do that with the intro i couldn't intro you guys like that it was just too weird it was too dark that's a great point i was gonna put fatherhood in winners but honestly shredder wants to be this surrogate father to all these uh kids from the other side of the tracks so it's kind of a neutral one for me personally Mm -hmm. i don't think it really made it another winner i put in there um was also teens being cool with crying um, I mean, <laughs> Raphael, I mean, name a turtle that doesn't cry in that movie. I think they all shed tears at one point or another, which I think is kind of an interesting, like a little subtle vulnerability thing for a young, I don't know, for a young male to see a movie who walks out of a movie theater thinking that he wants to kick everything, including trees, because he wants to be a ninja. Teaching him yeah. that crying is cool. I, I'm on board with that. Biscuits, you got well, any you winners? That, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's get a winner from Biscuits. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say... Pizza Hut, I like obviously not listed, but like I don't know how they pulled it off with Domino's being featured in the film, but then it was a Pizza Hut thing. Like that was crazy. Uh, I would say Sid Vicious was a big winner because every oh, single shirt call. that Danny like wore was a Sid Vicious shirt. Which mm-hmm. as a kid I was like, who is Sid? Uh, but uh, you know, yeah, and uh, I guess you know. Cigarettes. I feel like those were those were a winner. Like for a kids, nineteen ninety movie, like for kids, it was just like I guess we'll push cigarettes. I, mean, I had, so, I had like, it in both. I had it in both categories. Like I had Sam Rockwell as a winner. I had regular and menthol. I had regulars as a winner. Losers definitely menthol, and I also had regular and menthol as as a loser too as well. Uh, which brings us over to our loser category. Jake, you want to hop in first with some losers? Who who is losing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Well, I, I believe Maeve Williams over at Channel 5, who is no longer the highest paid anchor in New York City uh, when April gets her job back at the end. Um, she really Now you are. Out. Now you are. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. And you know what story she will not be covering is for the second biggest loser, the police captain who's been exposed as a corrupt, uh, blackmailing uh, mm-hmm. jerk. Let's keep it family friendly. But, uh, you know, April O'Neil, she's got uh, her choice of assignments now, and she's going to be coming after him. And finally, the pizza guy, because he did not get a new route. You come back 30% you know, lighter than you should be, you don't get a new route. You're stuck with that one. (laughs) So those are my three losers for this movie. Hot take, Michelangelo's tipping policy. I had it as a loser. Am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong. He's a jerk. This is service industry professionals here talking to you. Former yeah. service industry professionals telling you that that is a, that is a total joke. Uh, Leonardo I had, No, Leonardo. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Here's, 20, here's 25%. Here's 25%. Yeah. Uh, other losers I had, obviously April's wallet. Um, teens moving over to a life of becoming ninjas. Uh, works in three ninjas does not work mostly in this movie in general. Judith Hogas, we already kind of went over. Uh, newspaper headlines. It's worse. We can do better. Uh, big loser. Big big loser there. Biscuits, throw me a couple losers of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I feel bad because I'm always so pizza-centric, but I feel like that's the turtle in me. But I feel like Domino's totally the bad about this because they could have made it mm-hmm. such a huge thing. They could have done like a mm-hmm. turtle noid crossover where it could have just like been amazing to like you know it had you know video game potential with the turtles and the noid teaming up uh you know i felt like that was a big time loser uh i feel like i'm talking about things not directly in the film but like how 
Jake said that he was like, where's Krang? For me, a big loser mm-hmm. was Bebop and Rocksteady. Because I was like, oh. where are Bebop and Rocksteady? And they were nowhere to be seen. Uh, and then obviously Shredder being the biggest loser where because his untimely demise uh, in a garbage truck. I did not see that coming uh, at the end of the movie, but he, he lost out big time with that one. Yeah, good for him. I had a big loser on this one. Shang Chin. The love of uh, the the love oh. of the, the caused all the problems. She she's just a beautiful, wonderful woman. Found the man that she loved. Mm-hmm. Chose the woman with her, chose the man with her heart. Moved to America and then gets killed for it. I think that's ridiculous. Um, yeah, anger issues. I also had on there. Um, and then you mentioned Shredder in the end. Major loser of this movie. Fighting a major villain one at a time. Guys. Yeah. Bad. Bad strategy. Stre- Strength in numbers. That's what we like to call it here. Um, two things to go, and then I got to get get you guys out of here. One, um, give me your like twenty second hot take on Secret of the Ooze. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Jake, go first. I'm just gonna go neutral on it, to be honest with you, because it is Ninja Turtles: Secret of the Ooze, perfect example of what we were coming up with in the '80s, where it was like, let's just make this movie. Who cares? You know, we're not gonna dumb it down for kids we're just gonna go straight with it we're gonna tell it straightforward secret of the ooze there's no fighting in it the big showdown with the shredder at the end i think maybe you know this might i don't know if this is it seems like maybe some parent groups got involved and was like we don't like the violence and stuff like that so it's a very neutral movie it has some funny bits in it but it's nowhere near what this one is on any level, this one is winner. So I'm just neutral on it. Put it on. You're not going to regret it, but it's not just, as good. Just keep me away from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, 3. Uh, biscuits, yeah, uh, yeah uh, real quick, thumbs or da- thumbs up, thumbs down on Secret of the Use. I'd give it a thumbs up. I'd give the original a double thumbs up. Mm-hmm. You know, Secret okay. of the Use, a single thumbs up, and even that is just for part of that's just nostalgia and like mm-hmm. being a kid yeah. when I saw that too and being so psyched about it I think I brought all my friends to go see Secret of the Ooze the, the day it came out too and like obviously not nearly as good as the first one but still watchable you know like soundtrack not as good but you know yeah. the Go Ninja Go Ninja Go with Vanilla Ice was eh, <sighs> still you know like but does not compare to the first one obviously but most sequels don't so expectations are always lower for the second one uh you know but watchable definitely but i don't plan on watching it often or you know my kids just don't care about it at all yeah i'm a thumb kind of like sort of bending Mm -hmm. little bending up uh my quick hot thoughts on it is god the pizza in the beginning of that movie is just i'm gonna say just phenomenal it's some of the best movie pizza I have ever seen in my entire life, <laughs> and I would fight fifty Foot Clan members just to get a slide of that that cheese bend off the plate like that. I mean, everybody's doing it in the city. Um, great open action sequence, in my opinion. I think that actually is the only part of the movie that actually matches with the first movie is mm-hmm. that opening fight sequence. But Jake, man, you hit it right on the head, dude. In the middle, the fight sequences are awful. Just yeah. uh, they're they're running around. They're literally running around trying to stay away from mm-hmm. Toka and Razar. Um, I love the bells when Raph, uh, when Raph helps Kino uh, get through all the mm-hmm. different initiation tactics. I think those scenes are pretty great. Uh, Super Shredder is a really interesting idea. Um, yes. Really cool action figure executed, uh, sort of whatever, not that great. Um, but yeah, it's that middle section, Jake. You're making such a great point that it got neutered somehow, watered down. Mm-hmm. Um, not as many people getting punched in the face. A lot of just sliding away, evading, kind of moving around a yeah. lot more like weird slapstick physical comedy that's more incidental than actually intentional for a band mm-hmm. of four ninjas. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this was the 1990 film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Thank you so much for tuning in here on Bet on Chicago. Uh, brought to you by betonline.ag. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. So head on over there and make some great wagers with MLB coming up, NFL futures, NFL right around the corner. Make sure you check it out. Uh, I want to thank my panel. I've known these guys for, I think we're coming, I don't know about 20 years. It's there, yeah. But we're getting damn close. We're getting damn close, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Jake Van Kirsten, Michael Eamon, Mr. Biscuits himself. You guys, thank you so much for coming on the pod, man. We've been talking about this for a long time. Uh, The reason why you haven't been on yet is my fault. My fault only, and it's not going to be the last time. I promise you guys we're going to do this again soon. Um, Thank you so much for coming on, guys. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. 
Uh, thank you so much for tuning in the pod. Got plenty more coming uh, in the next one. Thank you so much for checking out this one. Tell your friend about the episode. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, uh, when in doubt, you can always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.